believer in Christ, have you been praying for divine intervention or God's help in real, overwhelming needs in your life? Have you asked Jesus to immerse and envelop you in the power of the Holy Spirit? The same power that he operated in to heal the sick, cleanse lepers, cast out demons, raise the dead, and perform mighty miracles is available to you today through the same baptism in the Spirit that he himself received. The next few minutes can revolutionize your life as you learn how to be clothed with power from on high. Welcome to the Real Truth Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Lambert. In an hour when deception and apostasy is rampant on earth, the need for proclaiming the real truth has never been more desperate. Jesus prophesied, An hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Proclaiming the real truth of the written and rhema prophetic word of God that he is revealing in this hour is our goal. Affecting real change in the hearts and minds of believers in Christ in order to fulfill the purposes and plans of God is our purpose. Friends, Throughout this teaching series, I am leading you on a journey to discover the real truth about a matter second in importance to none except salvation itself, which is the matter of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Each segment of teaching is one vital link in that journey, which leads ultimately to the real truth concerning the role of the third member of the Godhead in your life, whom Jesus himself called the Helper, that is, the blessed Holy Spirit, the living waters of God. God says in Hosea 4.6 that his people, that means born-again believers, Christians, are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Ignorance or lack of knowledge concerning spiritual matters not only is not bliss, but it is an open gateway to devastation and destruction. Jesus taught that the knowledge of the truth sets free, which inherently means that what you do not know of the truth will keep you in bondage. The unfortunate truth is that many born-again believers are being held captive by lack of knowledge of the truth and deceptions concerning this critical matter of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire. 
Now, some of the main points I am going to be establishing and providing scriptural support for during the course of this teaching are that, one, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a separate and distinct or adjunctive experience to the infusion of the Holy Spirit that takes place at the moment of salvation. Two, regeneration by the Spirit, that is, salvation, the new birth, and the baptism in the Holy Spirit are two distinct and separate workings of the same Holy Spirit. In salvation, the Holy Spirit comes to live within the believer, imparting the fruit of the Spirit, that is, the regenerative work of the Holy Spirit. In the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the believer is enveloped by or immersed in the Holy Spirit, that is to say, the Holy Spirit comes upon the believer, in contrast to in the believer, and imparts the gifts of the Holy Spirit. These facts are clearly supported by Scripture and are exemplified by the experience of Jesus himself, who is our supreme model. Jesus is the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Jesus explicitly stated that the baptism in the Holy Spirit will be given to any believer who simply asks him for it. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is a gift of grace received by faith and often imparted through the laying on of hands by other anointed believers. The Function of the Charismata or Charismatic Gifts The charismatic wind that began to blow across Christendom in 1960 came to activate believers who would believe and receive the Holy Spirit and His manifestation gifts in the operation of His supernatural power. The effect of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father, Acts 1, 4 through 5, which Jesus bestows upon every believer who will but ask Him, Matthew 3.11, Luke 11.13, is that when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive power to testify about me with great effect. Acts 1.8, Living Bible. It is power to be witnesses of Jesus to a lost and dying world that is bestowed upon believers when they receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. The Greek word translated power in this text and others in the New Testament is dunamis, which connotes supernatural enablement. Thus, the import of Jesus' statement is that with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we receive supernatural enablement to be vessels for the manifestations of the Spirit 
through us in order to give testimony of the viability of the resurrection power of Jesus. Upon being endowed with power from on high, spirit-baptized believers become witnesses of Jesus primarily to the world. The Ministry Gifts And there are varieties of ministries, but the same Lord. 1 Corinthians 12, 5. The Lord and head of the church, Jesus Christ, endows some, Ephesians 4, 11, select believers of his choosing with his ministry gifts for the spiritual development, edification and education, and governance, non-authoritarian steerage, pilotage of the church. When he was baptized in the Spirit, Jesus himself was endowed with these giftings by the Father and operated them during his fleshly ministry. Thus, in that they were bestowed unto him by the Father, through the Helper, the Holy Spirit, they are his, the Lord's giftings, as the head of the church, to bestow upon whomever he wills, and chooses. It is vital to understand that it is the Lord who is the functional head of the church, as opposed to human hierarchies, and as such, He appoints whomever He elects to those offices of function, and anoints them with these supernatural enablements. Only some, not all, 1 Corinthians 12, 28 and verses following, believers are so appointed and anointed. This set of giftings, also known as the fivefold ministry offices or functions, is delineated and their functions are explained in Ephesians 4, 7 through 13. They are five, the number in scripture for divinely bestowed giftings of grace, in number, which are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. The Motivation Gifts And there are varieties of effects, operations, KJV, energizings, literal Greek, but the same God who works all these things in all persons, 1 Corinthians 12, 6. God the Father bestows the motivation gifts which energize, literal meaning of function in ASB and office KJV in Romans 12.4, each individual believer with a specific function or ability and is the believer's primary motivation in life, whether discovered or undiscovered by the person. These energizings are innate talents, abilities, or enablements God the Father infuses into the internal makeup of people, and I believe become especially viable when individuals become a new creature in Christ by virtue of the infusion of the Holy Spirit at the new birth. While some believers may be able to function in some degree in a number of these giftings, there is always one which motivates, moves, energizes, impels them primarily. These gifts are delineated in Romans 12, 4 through 8, 
They are seven, the number of the Father's sovereignty and perfection in number, which are prophecy, serving, teaching, exhorting, giving, ruling, showing of mercy. It is vital that the body of Christ, individually and collectively, understand the critical differences between these giftings, offices, and functions, especially the differences between the manifestation gifts and the ministry gifts. One of the things that much of the body has been confused about is the difference between the transient power, dunamis, Greek, Acts 1.8, distributed by the Holy Spirit, according to His will, unto believers, to minister unto others, and the authority, exousia, Greek, inherent in the fivefold ministry offices or functions, with which the Lord, as head of the church, anoints believers of His election and appointment. This widespread confusion and lack of knowledge regarding these two separate and distinct matters has produced untold problems and wreaked incalculable spiritual damage in the past. Great in this hour of rampant deception from deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons by the means of the hypocrisy of liars, 1 Timothy 4, 1-2, is the church's need for clear, unambiguous, precise, and authoritative, i.e. apostolic, teaching regarding these graces lavishly bestowed by the triune God unto the co-sovereign betrothed of Christ, the Lamb's wife. So desperate is her need to appropriate and assimilate all the supernatural grace God is dispensing in these perilous times that are made so because men have become lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such men as these, for among them are those who enter into households and captivate weak women weighed down with sins, led on by various impulses, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. 1 Timothy 3, 1-7 Thank you.
Are you enjoying this podcast? Would you take just a minute to think about all the precious resources it takes to produce and make available a resource such as this? Time, talent, thinking, planning, preparing, studying, writing, editing, organizing, recording, audio editing, a multiplicity of post-production and publishing tasks, and on and on it goes. The big professional news and media companies employ 10 to 20 people to produce a presentation such as this podcast at a cost of hundreds of thousands of dollars. If you enjoy the program, would you be so kind as to take a minute and pray to ask God if He would have you lend a helping hand our way in the form of financial support? In about 30 seconds, you can donate at paypal.me forward slash SLM Inc. Again, that's paypal.me forward slash SLMINC to make a donation of any amount. Your gifts would be so greatly appreciated and used for the glory of God in the production of this program. Thank you, and may the Lord bless you abundantly for your generosity and graciousness. The Gradual De-Emphasis of the Gifts of the Spirit In retrospect, it can be observed that while most true Pentecostal groups and denominations that formed out of it professed an espousal of all nine of the manifestation gifts of the Spirit, the primary emphasis of the Pentecostal movement, circa 1906, was the prophetic or vocal gifts, tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. While there were some operations in the Revelation, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits, and power, healing, miracles, and faith gifts during the Pentecostal movement, especially at its inception, in the passage of time, fewer and fewer Pentecostal congregations ascribed significant importance to these latter two sets of charismata. The overall effect of this gradual de-emphasis has been that, at present, going on a decade past the Pentecostal movement's centennial mark, there is little mention, let alone manifestation, of the revelation and power gifts in the meetings of classic Pentecostal churches. In fact, the stark reality is that, today, anyone attempting to operate in these gifts in the vast majority of Pentecostal denominations will be met with an Antarctic-like blast of frigid resistance and contempt. 
Sadly, over the more than 100 years of classic Pentecostalism that have transpired, those denominations and their churches, who once were the enthusiastic champions of the charismata, have transitioned from tenacious belief to tacit tolerance to outright disbelief and disdain for the manifestations of the Spirit. Unfortunately, the sad scenario as we stand in the second decade of the 21st century is that if you raise your voice above a whisper in prayer, worship, or vocalization of your prayer language in most Pentecostal church services, as was so common during the first 50 years or so of the Pentecostal movement, chances are you will be remonstrated by the ushers. And if you continue these loud outbursts that are disturbing to some of our less demonstrative congregants who don't embrace this kind of worship in future services, you will eventually be told that you are unwelcome in the church. So, fair warning, if you receive this glorious baptism in the Holy Spirit that releases the rivers of living water of the Holy Spirit through you, you will have to be discriminating as to what church you attend. A Time of Refreshing and Period of Restoration Reviewing the history briefly to see how things progress to where we are today, at the approximate apex of the American Pentecostal movement, as enthusiasm for and espousal of the manifestations of the Spirit, and consequently the influence of Pentecostalism was waning, a powerful new wind of the Spirit began to blow in the 1960s, which became known as the Charismatic Movement. This move of the Spirit not only brought forth a desperately needed time of refreshing, Acts 3.19, from the presence of the Lord, but it was also a sovereignly produced, foreordained period of restoration, Acts 3.21, by God, in which a recovery and rediscovery of the nine manifestations of the Spirit, also referred to as the charismata or charismatic gifts, listed in 1 Corinthians 12, 7-11, was affected. At its inception, the charismatic movement, circa 1960, was a divinely orchestrated wind and working of the Spirit, the primary purpose of which was to bring forth a restoration of and renewed awareness in the charismata, or manifestation gifts of the Spirit. Secondarily, it was also one of the God-initiated times of refreshing that come from the presence of the Lord, Acts 3.19, which, at least during the 20th century, seemed to emerge approximately every 20 years. Through that movement, God was announcing that the manifestations of the Spirit were not relegated to and passed away with some bygone era of long ago, but that Jesus Christ is the same today, yesterday, and forever, Hebrews 13.8, and that God changes not, Malachi 3.6, what he was in any era, he is, and what he is, he always has been and always will be, for he is the great I am, God the eternal and eternally God.
The rediscovery of the manifestations of the Spirit demonstrated once again that it was not God who had changed over the centuries of church history, but the church, or perhaps more appropriately, the beliefs, doctrines, and operations of the church. But that should not be surprising, considering that not since the end of the second century A.D. has the church actively and earnestly labored to fulfill all five of the Lord's final commandments preceding his ascension into heaven to take his seat at the right hand of God, i.e., the Great Commission, Mark sixteen fifteen through 18 Despair not. God is restoring. But despair not, you of the true remnant church Jesus is building. God is not finished yet with all of this. God himself will bring forth his justice and judgment upon these corrupt ecclesiastical coalitions of hubristic human interlopers. He is about to identify and separate the wheat from the tares, the false shepherds and sheep from the true. God will not be mocked. Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit and His workings is still the one sin that is such an affront unto God that it shall never be forgiven. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are still given by the one true Spirit of God, and God will not allow what is good, which only He can author, to be seen and spoken of as evil. Be not discouraged or dismayed. Continue to heed the commandment of the Spirit to pursue love, yet earnestly desire, covet, KJV, spiritual gifts but especially that you may prophesy. For one who prophesies, i.e., exercises the vocal gifts, tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy, speaks to men for edification, exhortation, and consolation or encouragement. One who prophesies edifies, charges up as a battery is charged up, the church, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 through 4. God knows, now more than ever before, the true remnant church Jesus is building needs all the edification, exhortation, and encouragement the Spirit desires to bestow upon a battle-weary and dismayed church through the manifestations of the Spirit which are given for the common good of the church, 1 Corinthians 12, 7. Now, if you want that baptism in the Holy Spirit I've been talking about and would like to know more about it and how to receive it, I've written a book and even recorded an audio book of the book that will help you with that. The book title is Dunamis, Power from on High. Dunamis, Power from on High. Now, this concise book explains what the baptism in the Holy Spirit is, the scriptural precedent and proofs regarding it, 
how to sort out the real truth from all the diverse teaching that exists concerning it based on Scripture, and it provides some simple explanation for receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I want you to have this special book and or audio book I've prepared for you to help you understand it and to receive this powerful working of the Holy Spirit in your life. You can order the book and audio book online on our website at realtruthradio.com where you can place your order by clicking on the PayPal donate button to use any bank card which does not require a PayPal account. Again, go to realtruthradio.com to place your order and where you can also listen to the recordings of all our podcasts. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Real Truth. I'm Stephen Lambert. Please subscribe to the podcast, share with your friends, and visit realtruthradio.com to join our mailing list. sure to tune in to the next edition of The Real Truth. Until then, this is Stephen Lambert reminding you that with God all things are possible and all things work together for good to them who love God and are called according to His purpose.